You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, the horror movie podcast for the casually obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk about two horror movies that you may have seen a hundred times. You may have only just seen for the very first time, or you've never been brave enough to venture in and watch Jurassic Park and Jaws for yourself. Everybody has seen these movies, John. Hey, you know, uh, some people haven't, and that's totally fine. And uh, yeah, everybody's seen these movies. I assume everybody has seen <laughs> these movies. This, the, the, if you haven't seen Jaws or Jurassic Park, I'm pretty sure you know exactly what they're about. And and we are here to finally discuss these movies after watching them 180 times each on the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun episode because I think especially Jurassic Park is a little controversial as to like, is this horror? Can this be considered horror? That's definitely coming up right away. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of quintessential summer movies, you cannot go through the summer as a moviegoer and not watch these two movies. Absolutely. Um, they are... The blockbusters, the two you watch, the biggest monsters on your screen from from July 4th onward. <laughs> yeah, like, let's let's not forget, sure, you've got some adventurous stuff in there, and it's, it's maybe a little more family-oriented than you would think, but these are both, at their core, creature features. These are monster movies, and I will not accept any less. <laughs> I will not stand by it! Before we get too much into the blockbuster chat, John, what is keeping you creepy this week? The Forever Purge is in theaters. We have drive-ins open near us. You probably have a drive-in open near you or a main major motion or, or a multiplex theater uh, that's playing The Forever Purge. It's, oh, the saga's over. It's the final purge. I honestly, I love that these movies come out on July 4th weekends because they are, like, they are as American as apple pie and jazz. But also really cutting. In regards to oh, yeah. their political stance. What's more American than talking about how terrible America is? Come on. <laughs> and like honestly, if this movie had to come out July 4th weekend of 2020, it may have played a little better. Um, it's, it's a little heavy-handed. I think the last few Purge movies have been. But like I'm a real big fan of the Purge movies and the Purge series. Yeah, I, the Purge is a concept. It always wins me over. No matter how much I like the last installment, Like I will always see the next one. Oh, yeah. If they announce another movie coming next year, I'd be like, all right. Sign me up. You guys keep twisting my rubber arm. I think it's one of the best modern franchises we have. Like I, I do think, despite the fact that there are some movies in there that I'm not nuts about, including, unfortunately, The Forever Purge. It wasn't my favorite of the franchise. Uh, I still think, as a, at a, as a whole, great franchise. And it, I think you're right. It comes down to that premise. That premise is so genius and so tapped into to modern what modern America is and what modern America feels like. Yeah, I can honestly say that I don't think I've loved a Purge movie since election year. I did have my hopes up for the Forever Purge. I, I didn't watch any of the trailers or anything. I was just going off that bandit poster. Yeah. With the the horse with like the skull mask. You're and, like fucking and, horror western purge movie? Yeah, yeah I'll watch and this. I was really kind of let down by the cowboyiness of uh yeah. this movie. I understand logistically it's really hard to have horses during a purge because <laughs> there's just like open gunfire everywhere. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think but about that. When 
they were spoiler alert in the desert in the second half of the movie. I expected some horses. Some fucking horses. I wanted some horse riding. Get on that goddamn horse. I wanted some purge ponies. <laughs> yeah, the movie the movie was really lacking that. It really uh, should have had. It, I, I I was expecting more of a western. A lot more cowboy action. Yeah, a lot more cowboy action. I there I was some great stuff at the beginning. We set up for cowboys. Everybody had a hat on, and then they climbed in a truck. <laughs> so i mean yeah it wasn't wasn't 100 percent for us i still i still really like the purge movies like like i said the the political messages like they're really hitting you over the head with it there's an argument to be made that subtlety is out the window and should not be used in 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 times of crisis i guess but i don't know it doesn't feel like a a piece of entertainment yeah but well like this isn't a purge podcast uh we are talking about jaws of jurassic park we should move on kim what is keeping you creepy Netflix has been dropping the Fear Street movies. They started last week with Fear Street 1994. This Friday, we're getting 1978, the Camp Counselor version. I'm super excited to check I'm it really out. I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, and then 1666. Who knows what the fuck that's going to be. Yeah. My review for 1994 is on the website now. I enjoyed it. Maybe I went into it with, with too much love for the Fear Street book series. I grew up with uh, R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike, and I, I devoured all of those franchises. So I, I came into this a diehard fan, and I had, I guess I had really lofty expectations. I don't know if I love the rated R-ness. I love me a rated R slasher, and I, a lot of films have come out that are, that are PG-13 that I think should be rated R and vice versa. And this was one that is based on not pre-teenage, but like early teenage source material, and the, the naivete of it is part of its charm. Okay. And I think that could have been retained into the franchise to, to be more true to what Fear Street was. But that's really my only complaint. There was a really dope kill in it. Um, oh my god! The, so worth the R rating. <laughs> Holy shit! The opening kill sequence is is straight out of the Scream playbook. It is a such an homage. It's real good stuff to yeah. the Drew Barrymore kill. But that, uh, that kill at the end in the grocery store is oh man. Yeah. I don't want to give anything away. Yeah, but. and and part of it too, it's it's hard to judge as a sole piece because it's part of a trilogy that's all dropping within the same month. So I think how I feel about the first one may kind of evolve and change as we get more of the the overarching witch story that's yeah. at the core of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they had to tease out a little bit, but also the characters were way more on board with the urban legend than I was with yeah. only my like tiny little bit of knowledge that we were given in the first film. Yeah, so. it's weird because it's it's a movie inside a movie, right? Yeah. It's, it's technically a six-hour movie that has three two-hour movies inside of it. So as much as things are going too fast or too slow in 1994, it's going at the right pace for Fear Street, the film, which is the sort of mini series of movies exactly and if you're a fan of the 90s and everything that was like goosebumps and christopher pike we are having a watch party this saturday at 9 p.m eastern we are picking some of our favorite episodes of are you afraid of the dark the original airing the uh, ytv slash nickelodeon fucking gem yeah. this is such a good series we did a watch party last month and I was surprised how well it held up. The effects, the monsters, the Still creatures. Still fucking works, right? The stories. And we and we watched so like you know we watched some ones that are like you know everybody's favorite, and then we both like collectively picked one each. We're just like, all right, let's take one that's like off the beaten path, but still good. Even the ones that like you don't remember being great are still super creepy and effective. We're doing the Midnight Society Watch Party Part Two this Saturday. That is only for Fiend Club members. Uh, you have to support Nightmare on Film Street in order to have access. It's super fun. We chat with all the fiends and we watch a bunch of shows and 
John makes these really fun commercial reels in between. Oh, uh, we have like retro Halloween stuff and and some really cheesy cheese ball. A lot of them are McDonald's for some reason. There's there was a lot of McDonald's advertising in the '90s. A lot of McDonald's advertising. A lot of like racetrack car stuff. And then there was a blend between the two, like Hardee's. Like you could go to Hardee's and get a Days of Thunder toy set. <laughs> Yeah, the the 90s the 90s were great for uh for fast food tie-in commercials. So join us at the Fiend Club, nofspodcast.com slash fiend club for access to that Are You Afraid of the Dark watch party. We also have another one later this month, and it's such a fun time. It's six bucks a month. You get access to all of that and our Fiend Club membership pack and tons of other fun stuff. Uh, again, that's nofspodcast.com slash fiend club. Yeah, please come join us if you remember the Fiend Club or or you've been thinking about it. Regardless, these are always a blast, and there is nothing better than revisiting a classic like Are You Afraid of the Dark? I think everybody appreciates Are You Afraid of the Dark? And right now with Fear Street on the brain, oh, it is such the a right good time. It is such the a absolute vibe. right time. That's all right. That's that's what's been keeping us creepy for the last two weeks. Let's get into some movies that are just like creeptastic classics. These block rocking beasts and kicking it off. We're talking about Jurassic Park. There it is. Welcome to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Can I touch it? Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Fences are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Down! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park from 1993 is currently sitting at an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Why are we even doing ratings for this one? Yeah, I thought that also. You know, it's like, oh, it's at a sensible 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's 68% on Metacritic. Wow. Yeah, the Metacritic crowd doesn't love it. And 4.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. So surprised. I Yeah, I felt very weird writing these ratings down. Yeah, I think the, the two movies we're going to talk about today are like the quintessential summertime watches, not only because they're big, huge summertime blockbusters, but also I guess the summertime blockbuster just screams nostalgia. Sure. And maybe that's because I don't really partake in them now. <laughs> so I have nothing to do with whatever the modern summer blockbuster is. I think it's it's also just that they're casting as wide a net as possible like here's a fucking movie that as long as you're a living breathing human being you'll probably like it which is so true when it comes to jurassic park because it's so hard to put it in a genre bucket like i know we're probably going to get a lot of feedback of like this isn't a horror movie sure uh, which is inevitable. Sci-fi, which, adventure, action, Action, horror. adventure, <laughs> it's, fantasy. It's even a bit of a family movie if, yeah. if you get over the fact that some guy gets eaten in an outhouse. So good. Pretty much for everybody. It's got jiggling jello. It's got kids being funny. Yeah, it's also and a Sam comedy. Neil. Like It's <laughs> everybody's, cinema. <laughs> everybody's dad, Sam Neill. Yeah, everybody's dad. That's good. <laughs> 
you know, I, I plan on doing this at the end, but I suppose we could do it now. I combed through Letterboxd to try and find some, like, bad reviews of Jurassic Park and Jaws. You want to hear some of them? I do want to hear some of them. The, prob- the problem, too, is that you really got to comb through the people that are obviously trying to do it for humor. And I'm not an- entirely sure which ones of these are, like, in- 100% oh, okay. genuine. You know so, what I like, mean? what's ironic? And yeah. Although, like, if it, don't insult the film. <laughs> Some of them, yeah, why are you dragging the rating down? We could have had a perfect five stars. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, like, like this one, it's like, I hated this movie when it was new. Once in a while, I watch it again. Why? Why are you doing that? Uh, for each time I watch it, I hate it a little bit more. I hate the over-the-top acting, the fat mailman from Seinfeld, the overly dramatic score. Everyone is screaming or running, or running and screaming at the same time. There's dinosaurs on the loose! Right? <laughs> Nothing makes any sense at all or at any time in this movie. The only thing I love in this movie is that the dinos can open a door, but they get killed by a bigger dino! Fuck them and fuck this movie. Wow, spoiler alert on the door there, John. <laughs> This, this one's probably my favorite. Half star rating. Stupid. Everyone knows dinosaurs have feathers. Where are the feathers? Okay, so I feel like that's a little bit of a more modern development. They talk about, they, they, they at least give credit to that idea in this movie. That dinosaurs are birds. Well, th- that and I think even one of the kids, uh, Tim, one of the kids, it's like the, the dinosaur obsessed kid is like, hey, have you heard anything about this this theory that they all have feathers? Like, I think it was relatively newish when this movie was coming out. I don't know anything about paleontology. So, oh, neither do I. And I'm- everything I know about paleontology, <laughs> I learned from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> it's from that dino DNA. Oh, poor Clippy. <laughs> yeah, e- every single thing I know about dinosaurs came from that cartoon segment in this movie, <laughs> and that's dinosaurs. none of it's real. <laughs> Dino DNA. Yeah. The the Disney-esque infomercial ride is pretty fantastic. Yep. It reminds me of the one, the the, the ride in the Disney park. Uh, hang on, I'm, I'm going through the map in my mind. Sure. It's in the Tomorrowland. Yep. And right near it's the about, monorail. <laughs> it's about, like, progress. Yeah, the carousel of progress. Yes, so it's the carousel of progress, but for dinosaur cloning. Yep. Yeah, because you, you basically just sit in a room that rotates around like a few different theaters. Yeah, and then it also reminds me, especially the video intro with the kind of uh, meta 3D aspect that, or meta fourth dimension wall breaking that John's doing. Oh, yeah. Reminds Where me. Where he pricks his fucking finger on the TV. Uh, it's not there anymore, but it was the ride, was it Earthquake with Christopher Walken? Yeah. Where Christopher Walken is literally doing that video intro yes. for Earthquakes. And he's like grabbing a piece of paper in the real world from the TV. You're like, it's how did they do it? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I miss it so. Okay, so, you know, the we watched the trailer before we sat down to, re- to re- uh, record this. And the trailer really paints this as the family-friendly, but like maybe high-stakes moments <laughs> movie that everybody, I, I guess, would be accusing it of. If you're like a diehard horror fan who doesn't who doesn't like fun. But I will say the opening scene of this movie terrified me as a child. I forget it every single time we watch it. So we So good. The reason why we're doing these two movies is because they are 
Uh, huge movies at our local drive-in. We watch them every summer there. They got to be huge movies at every. I- I'm assuming right? every drive-in, yeah, because they're summer blockbusters. So yeah. When we when we hit this up at the local drive-in, when that scene came on, I w- I was like, one, it's fucking dark. I can't see anything. And two, why don't I ever remember this scene? I don't know why because you forget it. It is fucking horror. Yeah, we're like this rat. Like so, okay, so they're transferring. A raptor. Transporting? You don't upload the raptor, John. They're transferring it from one place to another, right? Transport? I guess it's transport. Yeah, that is a very physical (laughs) description of what's happening. Thank you for that roadblock. Uh Sorry. (laughs) It's just, she's not an email attachment. That's very true. Whatever. Everybody's seen this movie. It's that scene where they're transporting the the, uh, the Velociraptor, and it fucking escapes. For those, like, I, I just, one, I don't understand why they have a guy climb on top of the cage Ugh. to physically lift the gate. Everything else is automated. Like, we have a, <laughs> no. a truck for this, a forklift for that, a crane for this, but we need we need a guy <laughs> to lift the gate. Like, what, what scares me the most about it, I, I guess, is that you don't really see the Velociraptor. So wait, what it really is, though, that dude, is it's the inaugural sacrifice to open the park. sure. (laughs) There has to be some sort of blood sacrifice. (laughs) You can't say blood, sweat, and tears if you didn't feed it a Vincent, you know? Like, (laughs) really what gets me the most is the, oh man, there's there's some great fucking close-ups that just like really accentuate the crisis of the moment in this sequence especially when so like very clearly it things have gone wrong and the head of security is trying his best to save his fucking guy and he's like shoot and it's just like close-up right on his mouth i love it but it's his hand like he's trying to, he's, he's holding on for dear life to this guy's arm trying to pull him out of the cage and you just see his hand slipping away slowly in between his arms it's Awesome. And oh, there's no blood. Also, there's gratuitous raptor eye in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> raptor eye, raptor breath. There's a lot of the, like that weird. So that's, that's my favorite thing about this sequence, though, in the traditional horror sense, is that they are so guarded over showing or displaying any of the actual raptor. Yeah. That for the most part, it's all these actors just acting around a shaking, smoky box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The horror fan in me, who knows that this this film had a million dollar budget, but the fact that they're still hiding the dinosaur. When they could just show it. Exactly. The tease is very decadent there. <laughs> <laughs> and they really do give the raptors like the full Bruce the shark treatment from Jaws, right? Where they're really not going to show it because when we get to the park, you know, we we see a bunch of dinosaurs. Like, oh, fucking brontosaurus. Dinosaurs. He's pulling leaves off the top of a tree. Amazing. They, they do move in herds. Oh, they do <laughs> but, move in herds. But when we get to the raptor cage, you still don't see them. They drop in a cow, a bunch of leaves and branches fly around. Which is you hear fucking a bunch of cheap, efficient. Now th- yeah, they free. Just some dudes down there <laughs> holding branches and waving them around. And when it comes back up, just shredded cage where the where the cow was. Still works. Still great. Super suspenseful. It's wonderful, especially because you know that all of those are deliberate choices. Because I mean, they made these animatronic puppets. They made an entire. Uh, special effects company to do the right. dinosaur effects. So, like, you know that they, they want to put them on display. They want to show as much dinosaur as possible. But the fact that they use restraint in these moments that are supposed to be scary and to create tension and to create suspense, they fucking do it. They really do. And it's that's incredible. why this is a horror film. <laughs> exactly. Well, the thing is that, sure, like I would never say Steven Spielberg, horror director. I would. Right? <laughs> but, but he still builds suspense 
the way you would in like a conjuring movie like every like there are sequences in jaws and jurassic park that are just built so perfectly and they are they're there to scare you and, and it, they do it so what what i i wonder too when i watch Jurassic Park is that the expertise that we're talking about of like hiding the monster and being really sparing in those really tense moments. Do you think they came out of the learning experience of Jaws because Bruce was so um, such a like a mechanical nightmare that they had to learn to work around the puppet and that we now have these tools of suspense because of this happenstance. Oh, I think so. But but even even on top of that, I think it comes from just like B movies where like oh sh- the, the, we don't have enough money to show the monster, so we just won't until the very end. Mm-hmm. And like it inadvertently builds suspense for it for for a payoff. But yeah, when we're talking just specifically Steven Spielberg, I, yeah, I think I think <laughs> I think it all came to that. I yeah, I I like to believe in my optimistic, wonderful like Hollywood glasses way. That it just became a tool in his toolbox yeah. of how to craft a really suspenseful scene. Yeah. And, and also, I guess it makes it more family-friendly while still retaining the horror and the suspense because we're not seeing a cow get devoured into pieces. But, sure. like, we're letting the brain do it. Yeah, and, and it works. <laughs> and we do totally see that guy get beheaded in that outhouse. He picks him up by the top half of his body. Yeah. He eats the shit out of him. Oh, Man, it's, it's good. good. <laughs> That was the scene everybody on the playground was talking about when this movie came oh, out. Oh, man. For us, it was always the fucking Jello scene. And the raptors in the kitchen. Oh, sure. Yeah. Everybody, everybody Although the, I, the raptors in the kitchen is fucking scary. Yeah. Well, the, and, and coming back to what you are talking about with him making it still family friendly, I think it's because they don't depict dinosaurs as scary. It's just the scary dinosaurs get the scary dinosaur treatment. All the other dinosaurs are, like, looking at goats and cows and stuff, right? It's just like, oh, here are these gigantic creatures that are magnificent and and awe-inspiring and wonderful. But it's when you come across, like, a T-Rex or a raptor or that fucking, like, weird umbrella poison thing. That uh, that they, they give it that sort of in the shadows treatment. And I think that's so wonderful about kind of the themes and, and the the deeper meaning of Jurassic Park and like What's the advance the, the advancement of man and, oh, and, and right. the fact that we we leap, we jump before we before we understand what we're what we're doing. The dinosaurs in this film are treated like a zoo. You know, you can get up close in the petting zoo in the rotating ball or whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, in Jurassic World, yeah. <laughs> or like the the driving in the jeep with with no locks on it. The lethal dinosaurs are hidden behind these like huge electric fences, which we learn very quickly are not enough. <laughs> so is it? Is it? I guess the villain still is just greed, and you could argue that John Hammond's character so plays I, into that a little. Hmm. I don't know if it's greed because I really love John. I think he's one of the most wonderful characters of all time. Yeah. Just one, because he's my Santa Claus and sure, that helps. I got a rep for Richard Attenborough. But he's wonderful because there, he's he's the pure optimism of this discovery. Mm. And you can even tell, too, because his lawyer, who is making them do this kind of pre-adventure anyways because the guy died and they, they need it for insurance purpose, la, la, yeah. la. yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't care necessarily about the money so much because the lawyer is only seeing dollar signs with these dinosaurs. And he's like, we're going to be able to charge thousands of dollars a ticket. And he's like, no, I want this discovery to be for everybody. I want families and kids and I want people to see them because they're majestic and this is a miracle. And it's just naivety. 
naivete. <laughs> and uh, I think Jeff Goldblum, his character is the perfect counterpoint. Like he's the oh, perfect yeah. yang to John's ying in that it, it's this knowledge that has no forethought involved. Yeah, John really lets the the benefits of a place like Jurassic Park completely blind him from the dangers and the and the and the the problems with it because yeah everything everything that he made Jurassic Park for is admirable and totally worth it but he like really did not give enough thought to everything that could go wrong uh, and and every reason why he shouldn't make it. Yeah, and I mean to because counter- it's not about money. It's not about money. To counterpoint that, I mean they have commercialized it. This is the Disney World version of that. They we get a peek in the gift stores, and they are already filled with plush dinosaurs and Jurassic Park merchandise. And the counterpoint there is so is a zoo. It's the the exact same experience. So like, I mean, if you look at kind of this in the lens of like animal welfare. There's not much different. We assume that the the benefits we're reaping out of having, you know, like lions in captivity and stuff will create a compassion for these animals and then further down the line create a generation that will respect them and, you know, not want to poach them mm-hmm. or stop poaching when they have the power to do that. You know what I mean? Like, so... The thing is, is that this park came at the cusp of the discovery, so there's no question as to what, like, how humanity is going to react to these animals existing. They're going to be capitalized upon whether or not some billionaire like John is making a Disneyland theme park around them. It's interesting who got the technology first, because if it was, say... The, the, the people who are trying to steal his tech. Like, is that who you're talking about? Well, who's to say that it wasn't somebody who wanted to create a line of dinosaur leather handbags? Or, oh, you know what I mean? Like, I see, it, it could have gone a, a thousand other ways. I gotta tell you, in a world where Jurassic Park exists and it did go hella wrong and killed a bunch of people, that's probably the only time, only world where Jurassic stuff would exist. Oh, we like we breed them like veal and then we just chain them to the ground and when their skin's tough enough to make purses. And there's a great argument too and I don't want to get too like deep in the theories of Jurassic Park but about the commercialization of knowledge yeah. and how all scientific developments I see from this point on and we see that a lot with like the technology in our phones how we're giving we're, we're getting these incremental increases in the the abilities of our our uh, and capabilities of our cell phones mm-hmm. because they can make as much money as possible by doing it that way and the rollout of the electric car and the self-driving car it's all going to be done in stages they're going to get slowly better and better and better not because we haven't attained the knowledge but because we haven't milked all of the money out of each advancement yeah which is fucking ass backwards that's a batman world we're living in these are batman villains um (laughs) i mean and they're all fucking going to space now so what does that mean about like the future of earth it it, like there is no future for earth fucking jeff bezos and elon musk are like racing to build their own ticket out of here absolutely but uh the the point i'm trying to make is that yeah what are you trying to say the future the, (laughs) the future of knowledge and advancement is in the hands of the highest bidder and it's only through the commercial ability of these advancements that will see them be developed further. So if dinosaurs don't benefit commercial interests in any way, then they won't be explored. They will go extinct again. If they can't be harnessed by Disney World, then they won't exist. I think that's what makes John Hammond such an interesting character, though, because he is... 
the exact opposite of that. He's he's like, I understand that this has to make money and it has to do whatever in order for me to get people to help pay for it. But he is 100% doing it because this is something people should experience. And it's it's knowledge, right? Like, he's doing it for all of the right reasons and it still doesn't work. Because essentially he's playing God. Well, and that's what I was going to get to, too, is, is what makes him such a multifaceted character and why I still like him as a human being. And I think he's generally good. There is some something sinister in the undertone that he has to be the mother of all of these creatures. That is so fucking dark. So, that is so fucking dark. So, it's just like, that's the one little wrinkle where it's like, hey, buddy, I, I think this is not right. And it's, it played so lightly, I think, in the movie because they break out of the ride and they get to see a little baby dinosaur being born. And, and like, I insist on being present for the birth for every single dinosaur. They imprint on the first. And he's like, come on, little guy. And he coaxes them all out of the egg and he gets to be like their genetic imprint mama which is yeah. which is adorable and fucking dark it's very very wrong <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's it, the greatest thing too about that scene is that like you know that there's something wrong about that but it's all presented in in the the cutest way possible like he's doing like the ultimate good here he's literally creating life and it's but don't you think god had the best intentions like <laughs> Like I don't want to get into it too much, but I mean, in in a, um... I think if you want to bring God in this conversation, you got to just assume that He's got a plan, girl, and you know, like we we just can't understand that plan. But what if that's the God? God angle. was one of us riding on the bus, making dinosaurs. On, yeah, on his way home. <laughs> <laughs> just oh. like one of us. So what? Let's. We're here. <laughs> Now, I understand these are all important things to talk about, but we are running the clock on John Hammond here. You oh, know? my God. So, Kim, tell me, what's your favorite dinosaur in Jurassic Park? Oh, man. Or, or alternatively, you can literally just pick favorite scene with a dinosaur in it. So, the definitely when Sam Neill and Laura Dern see the dinosaurs for the first time. Oh, my God. In there in the fucking Jeep. Yeah. And the whole head turn. Yes. It's majestic. Don't you think Laura Dern doesn't get enough credit for her role in this movie? I... I'm what? Let's <laughs> do it now. I think we should share different internets because like, I just inherit the earth, <laughs> right? <It's, laughs> that's so brilliant. One because it's a great gag, but two, all the dinosaurs are female, which we didn't touch. We, which we didn't touch on with our sinister god talk. Well, yeah, in terms of playing god, you're like literally changing their DNA structure so they're all born female. And okay, I understand why they did it. Mm-hmm. You know, dinosaurs are fucking lethal and. Things could get out of hand real quick if we have an army of raptors around. Yeah, I right. get, I get that they need to control the population in that sort of sense, and and in the in the same sense, like I don't understand how zoos do it, but I'm imagining that they're controlling their own population of you know like things that breed a lot, like I don't know fucking goats. I'm sure, <laughs> like fuck all the time. And pandas don't pandas fuck all the time? No, I think the problem with pandas is that they don't. Oh, that's why it's always like a big event. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, and they and they also coax like they do a lot of good for endangered species like they have a lot we we have a lot of uh animals born in captivity that yeah everybody makes a big parade about when it happens and they're like yeah, come come name this peanut that that just <laughs> was born and learned how to blink this peanut you know the endangered peanut <laughs> got it i think my favorite scene with the dinosaur <laughs> Outside of that opening scene, because it's just fucking incredible, is 
probably that scene where where Lord Dern and like the head of security are making their way over to the the power bunker where Samuel Jackson has disappeared. He left to Is go this like the clever girl scene. Yeah, it's the cl- <laughs> yeah, it's the clever girl scene. It's so good. I love I love just like everything about how it's put together. But like my favorite little thing, this little button they put on the end of the scene, which makes those Raptors so fucking evil is that he's getting his face eaten the fuck off by a velociraptor and we cut back to the one that he was staring down with his gun and she's just watching she's not even like jumping in like yay we got him let's eat him she's just like yeah that's right you fuck like smoking a cigarette <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man so great also the fact that like they brought her in i i would assume she's the one that killed the 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 the, the, boss. the worker at the beginning right yeah this is girl boss Velociraptor. Uh, she literally killed a bunch of other raptors when they brought her in. There was like twelve, and she was just like, "All right, so who follows me now?" And they're like, "I don't know. I thought I was the." <laughs> oh, you're dead! Like she just ate a few of them. The rest of them fell in line, and now they're a strong ass team. <laughs> and they're like Katie Heron. No, it's Caddy. <laughs> that's that's a Mean Girls joke, John. I didn't get it. Okay. I was just being polite. <laughs> <laughs> that was my polite laughter. Like that's a good one. Yeah, people are gonna get that (laughs) (laughs) another dinosaur i really enjoy i i love so i'm a long neck dinosaur kind of girl i love the giraffosauruses sure (laughs) um and i especially love when sam neil is hanging out in the tree after they've escaped a t-rex and they're all like exhausted because they had to like climb down a tree before a jurassic jeep hit them yo don't don't even pretend like that isn't the greatest sequence of the goddamn movie okay it's fucking great three incredible hair raising nerve wracking sequences slammed together i mean i do get a little nauseous at the stake raising in this movie because are you what it's just a little too intense for me that whole I just that whole buildup from like oh my god the power grid's out where'd the goat go oh there's power lines coming down and a T-Rex eyeball in my goddamn window like oh so great like we all love the T-Rex that's like a 20 minute chunk of the movie and then on top of that we have oh shit we gotta like not get crushed by this car and rappel down and then we're racing a car down a fucking tree are you kidding me no it's it's all fucking fantastic and it's weird that I'm a screenwriter because I hate conflict and I I would, I would very much enjoy this movie just as much if nothing went wrong at the Jurassic Park. Well, wouldn't we all? And like they it's... all just got to meet the dinosaurs. Yeah. And it was just a, just, you know, an average day at the Jurassic Park before it opened. And just then we as... all climbed on the helicopter and we went home. They opened the park and everybody was happy. Just as scaly petting zoo as Sam Neill and Richard Attenborough. Yes! <laughs> and Jeff Goldblum and, and Laura Dern. I'm in. I'm in. It's hard to say if the the downfall of Jurassic Park is Newman's character because he's definitely the catalyst for this incident. But mm-hmm. the fact that it, the the system is so flawed that one person could take it down, who's John's son, who's probably just been given this job just to keep him out of fucking trouble. That is not his son. Yes, it is. No. Yes, it is. No, it is. Yes, it is. John's name. Okay. Well, first off, that would mean that those kids are his like niece and nephew. And there's been no reference of that. His name is Ned. No, sorry. His name is Dennis Needry. And John Hammond's name is John Hammond. It is not his son. No, it's his son. I'm going to fight you on this. But, like, we can move on. He says it's his son. I swear to God. Okay. I swear to God. What if he's just like a really kind old man? He's like, son, okay, I don't so know about this. I buy that. But <laughs> fine. No, oh, I know what you're talking about. It's because he, he like offhandedly goes, okay, thanks, dad. Because he just gave him like a dad talk. So you I think say- he's just being I think he's just being snotty. Mm, 
This is like 20 years of my headcanon, so I don't know I if, can understand why you're defensive I don't know it. if we can get into this right now. We're just going to have to push on. <laughs> my but fan you, theories implode, and then I cease to exist. But you're right. One person completely ruins the system. Exactly. And, and it's all because of greed. <laughs> but then also, the fact that it's able to... the the electricity going down on the fences is enough for like the raptors and the T-Rex to break out is kind of a sign that the park is actually not fucking ready yet. Mm -hmm. Those electric fences are not enough. Oh, yeah. It's like having an elevator up to the 50th floor but not having an emergency set of stairs. You know what I mean? You need to have a backup plan. If there's a fire on the 25th floor and it's knocked out the electricity, the raptors are going to get out of the 50th floor. (laughs) That didn't work, but it... (laughs) (laughs) No, you're you're absolutely right. You know what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, I like this movie a lot. I think it's it's so much fun. It's it's and again, it's got everything you want. It's funny when it when you want it to be funny. It's it's a, it's an adventure film when you want too it. many stakes. <laughs> it's got way too many stakes. I guess it's got a bunch of ice cream and jello that people eat. I actually wanted to say while we were talking about the Newman stuff a second ago, that, how much he fucking eats. Good uh, God, no, that that he literally adds the Willy Wonka Slughorn plot. Yeah, he's, he's got his own Slughorn. He's stealing the Double O Slughorn. He's like a spy for the, the Forever bad guy. God. What is it called? The Eternal Gobstopper or the Gobstopper of Eternal Stench. What? (laughs) That's from Labyrinth. Oh, I know. (laughs) Uh, Everlasting. Yeah. That's what the Barbasol can is. The Everlasting Gobstopper. Yeah. I'm okay. I've said this before. And I know you think I'm a crazy person. But one, the sound design in this movie is incredible because, hey, guess what? Dinosaurs don't exist. You what? can't. You can't record them. Yeah, you gotta make those dinosaurs. There's a lot of yourself. elephant in these dinosaurs, and I really a lot of elephant, a lot of dolphin, a mm. lot of lion. There's a lot of that mixed in. Um, the the funny thing about the the Velociraptors is that you can very clearly hear like like pistons, like air pistons, like <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's totally in there. Um, that, and, and I think, honestly, it's that specific sound that I'm talking about. It's like a really high-pitched, sort of squealy-type, reptile roar sound. They mix it into Newman's laugh. I say Newman. It's because that's his character on Seinfeld. They mix it into Dennis's laugh when we're first introduced to him. He's picking up the canister, and they're showing him like how you unscrew this shaving cream. Like, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got Dodson here. Dodson. Oh, yeah, I've seen this movie a lot. I know every fucking line of it. But when he, when he opens the can, <laughs> when he opens the can and he laughs, I swear to God, they drop in a bit of that Velociraptor sound, and I think it's supposed to for us to try John, and like you have landed link him into with the bad guys. Territory. I have pulled yarn Cons- from across just, the base. I just said conspiracy, <laughs> not yep. conspiracy. Conspirasaurus Rex. Okay, well, just for comparison's sake, because I'm going to edit this in the future. Here's the sound of the raptor, and right afterward, the sound of Dennis's laugh. That's going to be a lot of work. And you tell me what? <laughs> <laughs> the bottom screws open. <laughs> You tell me whether or not you think that those two sound similar. On Discord. We can talk about it on Discord. NOFSpodcast.com slash Discord. Okay, so before we wrap up this segment, which has been like all over the place, but how, how are you supposed to talk about a movie that everybody's seen 3,000 times? Yeah, exactly. I, I planned a little like side game kind of fun thing. I'm and, excited. And it's really great that you said that you know all of the quotes to this movie because oh, are you I, gonna, okay. we're going to have a little quote off. 
I wanted us to do, we're going to do this for Jaws as well, so we'll get to part two in a bit, but uh, I've prepared you uh-huh. uh, a Jeff Goldblum quote, a monologue, <laughs> as it were. Uh, okay. And um, Hand me my sides. <laughs> I wanted to do who does the best monologue, but I do not know if I can do a Jeff mo- does Goldblum monologue. Does it have to monologue. be a whole monologue? Can I just say, can I just like put a pen in my mouth, like say, hold on to your butts? Can no. I just do that? No, you got to do the monologue. And then I also have the Flea Circus monologue that I was thinking Oh, of. man. So like I wanted to talk about that, but I didn't want to because i was like we can't make this a four-hour podcast but like god damn isn't that sad i just wanted to give the world something that they could okay see. and it's from uh dramatic monologues for men <laughs> <laughs> uh so here we go as dr ian malcolm sure uh jonathan dehan i'll i'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're using here it, it didn't require any discipline to attain it why are you making me do this <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> You read what others have done, and you took the next step. You didn't. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourself, so you don't take any responsibility. Where is the table? I got to slam on it at some point. Uh, you didn't take responsibility for it. You didn't shoulder the responsibilities of genius to accomplish something as fast as you could before you even knew what you had. You patented and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox. Now you're selling it. You want to sell it? <laughs> I did not do very good. Really Why good. are we doing this? This is a horrible idea. I really like that. Okay, so this is um, this is <clears throat> as, as is he a doctor? As Doctor John Hammond. <laughs> this is unfair because you gave me like the neurotic fast one, and you get to go slow and sad. <laughs> you know, the first attraction I ever built when I came down from Scotland, <laughs> it was a flea circus, Petticoat Lane. Really quite wonderful. We had a wee trapeze and a merry-go. Uh, and a merry-go carousel and a seesaw. They all moved, motorized, of course. But people would Don't say. Don't forget to take a bite of your ice cream while you're talking. <laughs> but people would say they could see fleas. Oh, I see the fleas, Mummy. Can you see the fleas? Clown fleas and high wire fleas and fleas on parade. But with this place, I wanted to show them something that wasn't an illusion, something that was real, something they could see and touch. And I'm not devoid of merit. So that was our Jurassic Park monologue off. Yeah. Uh, if you <laughs> if you would like to vote for Jonathan, uh, we're just gonna just let us know in Discord. Uh, <laughs> I'm casting my vote for Kim. So. <laughs> it's a two part monologue off. There's there's some other good monologues in Jaws. Can, so. do, can I at least n- mentally prepare? Can you tell me what my monologue? It's is gonna, gonna be, be for a Jaws? quint quote. <laughs> yeah, from when? I don't know in yet. The movie. I'm not doing the whole Indianapolis. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Eleven hundred men went in the water. <laughs> See, it's great. It's, I already vote for you. What was it like? Like 300 came out, the rest went to the shocks. That's pretty good. So, Kim, what's your rating of Jurassic Park? I think it's pretty easy to tell. My rating's going to be a four out of four. I think we could probably just call this four out of four of the podcast, right? Well, is your rating a four out of four? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm also giving it a four out of four. I mean, you're kind of spoiling our Jaws segment, but I, I guess... I would love to meet the person who loves Jurassic Park and doesn't like Jaws. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Especially listening to this podcast. (laughs) True. So coming up next, we're talking about Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic. The movie that that busted the blocks. That's right. We're talking about Jaws. It was seen by 67 million people. (laughs) It took two years to make. It was shown in 40 countries in 17 different languages. Nominated for 18 awards. Hold it up, he's coming straight for us. Don't screw it up. Don't wait for me. Now! Shoot! 
Roy Scheider. Well, why don't we start leading the shark into shore instead of him leading us out to sea? Robert Shaw. He's gone under. He's gone under the boat. I think he's gone under the boat. Richard Dreyfus. And it wasn't Jack the Ripper. It was a shark. If you forgot what terror is like, the original Jaws is back. Coming soon for a limited engagement at a theater near you. From 1975, Jaws is currently sitting at an 8 out of 10 on IMDb, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, 87% on Metacritic, and 4.0 out of 5 on Letterboxd. As a, as a for instance, just to just to follow this through from the, the first half of the episode, <laughs> here are some half-star ratings from Letterboxd, which is the lowest score you can give it. Uh, you can't give a zero star? You can just not rate it. It's oh, not really true. zero stars. True, true, true. This movie is boring. If you disagree, you're old as fucking weird. What? Okay, we can't really, I can't really argue with that, unfortunately. Uh, and after watching Jaws three, this was a huge letdown. Terrible CGI. After watching Jaws three, right? Yeah. Okay. Interesting choice. Terrible CGI. Yeah. So the that's that's another interesting. <laughs> I just thing. did like a hold up. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, what? Uh, the. The rest of the ratings, like in the, the really low ratings, if you if you uh, sort them from lowest ratings first, are people complaining that the shark doesn't look real, that the CGI is what? bad, that or that they should have used CGI, which again, hard to figure out whether or not this is a joke or not. And then the rest is a lot of they angry know how shark many, people. Like, do they know how many people had computers in 1975? I think it was two people, and the computer was the size of an entire office building. And it was for, like, doing Excel sheets. <laughs> it was, like, doing <laughs> and probability. It was for, like, single-digit math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the rest of it is mostly people talking about how uh, this movie, you know, gave sharks a bad name and blah, 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 and it's just propaganda for anti-sharks. You gave sharks a bad name. <laughs> I did actually want to talk about some similarities between the two movies before I forgot. And sure, I did forget. Right up top. If you don't know, they're both directed by both Steven Spielberg. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, they're both based on novels. Sure. Big ups, bidding war novels. Jurassic Park was purchased before the novel was even released, and uh, a bunch of studios bidded on it, including Warner Brothers with Tim Burton attached to direct. Weird. Can you imagine? 1993, if they were buying that, that would have been right around Batman time, so I get it. Because, like, if, if Bidding War to get the rights for that, Batman came out in 1989, and then you got Beetlejuice. I, I get it. Yeah, and then both of the um, the screenplays for Jurassic Park and Jaws were uh, initially adapted for the screen by their respective writers, Peter yep. Benchley and Michael Crichton. Yep. And, yeah, I just think that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. My, for, for Jurassic Park, Michael Crichton kind of makes even more sense because he's been directing movies since the 70s. Uh, and his movies have been, or his books have been adapted into movies since the 70s. If you're unfamiliar, like, he he's the guy who created Westworld. He did the movie back in the 70s, which I just rewatched for the first time since childhood. Really good. Really good. Yeah. It's got some, it's got some boring chunks. But... <laughs> <laughs> But that's because it was like the 70s. They're like, isn't it amazing that robots exist? We'll have to work it on the podcast eventually because there's some really fucking fantastic uh, shots in that movie. Whole third act in incredible suspense. Anyway. Uh, Another thing, and which is like, I guess, just big ups to like, oh, well, Steven Spielberg, of course. Both of these films were the highest grossing films of all time 
at their respective releases. It's almost like these movies busted the block. It's like they were blockbusters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jaws like invented the blockbuster, the summer blockbuster. Pretty much. Um, but it was overthrown by Star Wars, I think. Of course. Of course. In like 1977. And Jurassic Park from 1993 was overthrown by Titanic, which I think was 1997. Something like that. So... Pretty, I don't know, pretty interesting stuff. It's not often that you get a most grossing film of all time, and here we're talking about two from one single director. Yeah. That's pretty fucking cool. It's pretty rad. I, I, I Both of these movies, too, have great opening sequences, and scary opening sequences. And the thing. scores. And scores. <laughs> Are we done now? Did we cover everything? I think we got it. That's it, right? <laughs> Let's call it a day. I find, personally, the Jurassic Park opening scarier, but I think that's maybe- Oh, I disagree. I think that's just because I have this like memory of four, five-year-old me watching it and being horrified. Maybe that's- So I have a similar experience with the Jaws with opening Jaws, sequence. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my family was watching this at the cottage when I was very, very young, and I was sent off to my bed. Mm-hmm. I've told you this story before. So when I was growing up, my family had a cottage. We don't have any more. Sad face. And it had one single bedroom and the door, it didn't have like a knob on it. It was just literally like a door that had a latch. So like you could lock it if you were going to like get dressed, but otherwise. Okay, so you could lock it from the inside. Yeah, but otherwise like you couldn't close it, close it. So we had this like heavy metal dog that we would just push in front of the door to keep the door closed, to keep the light from coming in. Because as kids, we got the bedroom and we would get sent off to bed at like nine o'clock. Did they put the dog in front of the door? And they put the dog in front of the door. (laughs) Just as much. Just locking the kids in the room without locking <laughs> and so the kids all, in the And room. then all of the adults would watch like the summertime horror movies. And so I discovered a lot of my horror movies by literally having like my ear pressed against that cottage door so carefully as not to not to, to move knock the dog. over the yeah, dog. Okay, all right. And uh, I remember seeing a snippet of this scene, getting sent off to bed, and then just like overhearing that sharks exist and they will eat humans. Well, yeah, because the opening is definitely scarier if you're not looking at it. It's just <laughs> a girl in the water screaming. Screaming and you, but it's not like you hear. You don't hear growling or roaring. It's just like, what the fuck is happening? Can you imagine if sharks growled? (laughs) They do in Jaws three. What are you talking about? Oh no, it's Jaws the Revenge, right? Where it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you don't see the shark in the opening sequence, the actress getting wrenched around by her bottom half is terrifying. Hell yeah. Um, but also the moment when she grabs onto the buoy for dear life. Oh man, that hurt. That sucks so much. Where she's just like, please God, please. <laughs> she's just like, she can't, she doesn't know what's happening. She can't believe what's happening. And she just wants to get the fuck back to the beach. And the red water is just like. Is it red? I swear to God it's red. I the pro- So the opening of that movie, and again, we just watched this at the drive-ins. And, you know, drive-ins, not where you go for HD quality. <laughs> But I've th- I've had this thought every time we've ever watched it. I should probably get this on Blu-ray. That might solve some problems. But it's like a little too dark for me in the beginning. Like it's just like, oh, I can't really see what's But that's happening. what's so scary about it is it's like pre-dawn. It's this like a bunch of beatniks are hanging out, having a fire, and then a couple breaks off to go skinny dipping. And it's so dark that we don't see the fucking shark. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she no, doesn't like, it's even totally know what it works. Yeah. She doesn't even know what killed her. Ugh. Which is fucking dark i love when they pull out her like, her remains it's just a fucking like pan like something that you would put french fries in at a cafeteria like this is what's left of her good god 
and Matt Hooper's face when he like rips open that sheet and he's like, this was no boating accident. That was pretty good. <laughs> Can I do, do that Do not for my smoke monologue? in here, please. Yes, yes. He just immediately takes care of the room. <laughs> this is my fucking room. Uh, I like that a lot. I, I love how much denim he wears in this movie. He's my style guide now. I'm going to start wearing... Uh, all of the What's up with denim on water? Like that's like the worst clothing to wear if it gets wet, it's right? It's a sailor thing. I don't know. Okay. Denim denim looks good with white and boats have a lot of white. That's the reason you think guys like Quint wear a lot of denim. Mm-hmm. Okay. And seagulls <laughs> can't peck through white? I don't know. I think it's just that it's durable material, yeah. So, like Jurassic Park, Jaws has some fucking amazing characters. And it we you got the trifecta with Hooper, Brody, and Quint. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to talk about all three of them. You have to pick one. Who is your favorite? Now, like, your knee-jerk reaction? I wish Quint. people could see my face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Knee-jerk reaction? Quint. Yeah. He's the, he's the first pick. And then you go, well. Yeah. It's fucking impossible. Yeah, it's tough. I guess I'm just going to I'm gonna shoot from the hip on this one and, and say Brody. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's tough. Every time I go, every time I pick one, my brain goes, nah, man, go Hooper. Like, nah, man, go Quint. I don't know. I know. I, they're the dream team, and I won't accept any less than all three of them. I accept. I accept <laughs> that answer. That is my answer also. That's why I asked you, because I didn't have an answer yet. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's possible, because they br- they all uniquely bring so much to this film, and, and they inject so much, like, heart. For me, the the most heart in this movie, and it, it it's still holds up as one of my favorite scenes, yeah. is... um. I think this is the night after the mom has confronted Chief Brody. Oh, it sure is. Uh, in front of the entire town. Yeah. Uh, because so the the opening shark, the opening scene, coroner first determines it's a, it's been a shark that's a shark attack. So Brody closes down the beaches. The mayor's like, nah, 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 money, <laughs> money, money. And so the they shark op- ain't gonna eat no little Kittner boys. <laughs> <laughs> it eats the fucking Kittner boy. Sure do. And his fucking inflatable raft. Oh yeah. Rude. Stuck in the teeth and everything. The mom. Confronts Confronts him and it's a fucking gut wrenching scene and does it in front of the fucking mayor who doesn't eat the crow enough. Oh my god! Does not eat the crow even though he deserveth the crow. But the sequence is just fucking at the dinner table and Brody has had like the worst fucking day of his life and he doesn't see a solution. He's in between a rock and a hard place and he feels guilt and and maybe a little bit of shame because it, it was his job to save that boy and he didn't stand up to the mayor in that moment. Yeah. Seeing him hanging out with his his youngest son and the, like the it's the copycat sequence and the the give me a kiss. <laughs> because I need it. Oh, it's <laughs> my little frozen horror heart grew three sizes that day <laughs> yeah it's it's a rough one and i'm i think if i remember correctly from like the jaws documentary it was a scene that he had to fight to keep in which is you know that that would just go on as like one of the greatest deleted scenes 20 years later there'd be a director's cut and get put back in so like i think we'd still be living in a, just, in a 2020 uh, that has that scene those little moments of humanity there's another moment when it's i, I think it's after it's still pretty early in the movie after the first or second shark attack the boys are playing in the boat on the dock at the back of the house i love this scene and it's just the parents it's and he's just, just like you gotta get out of that boat i don't want him on that boat and and mom's like he's just playing in it and then she sees what he's been looking at which and- is the photo of a shark <laughs> literally just like breaking through a boat 
Which is a nice foreshadowing now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But their little banter back and forth is just so loving and real and honest. And Well, is that not the scene, too, where she sits, she passes him a drink and goes, want to get drunk and fool around? <laughs> like, isn't that the scene? I love it. <laughs> and her little fucking kerchief. I, I love just, when he oh. leaves in the morning and she's like, I want my cup back because he's leaving with what, like an actual ceramic cup for cu- of coffee. It's so fucking good. Yeah. See, this is the problem with covering movies that you love on the podcast. It just becomes a riffarama of us just like throwing our favorite lines of dialogue back yeah, and forth at each other. The the that's the hardest part about the Spielbergos. <laughs> the Spielbergos is that the characters are so honest and real that they are so naturally quotable and they bring such a humanity. By the time they even get out on that boat, Brody cannot die. Like my heart would not take it. I would riot. <laughs> yeah, and I, mean, I mean in terms of like his character, he's obviously come from New York. He uh, is a city kid. He's never been around water. That's why he's scared of it. But oh, he- there's such a good line about um, so somebody like wrestles him on the beach about living on an island if he doesn't like water. Mm-hmm. And uh, this isn't an exact quote, but he says like it, it's not an island if you're looking from the land. It's only an island if you're looking from the water. The water. Yeah, uh, it's pretty fucking great. Yeah, it's real good. Do you think he got shot? I can't remember. Like, is there some sort of, like, he left New York because he got shot? Or did he just Probably. leave New York because of the kids? I just assume something traumatic. Like, yeah, like, the, the crime was increasing and it wasn't safe for their kids. Or Mid-70s like, New York? Hell yeah, that was a good time to get out. Um, Or, you know, like, something like maybe his partner died. Or, That's possible. Because the I think there's a lot for him in regards to, like, guilt and shame. And I think that's tested a lot with the shark. <laughs> well, because he's not tough enough, right? As, it was, as, I guess, like, you would, you would think everybody... Who was sad to see him leave the, f- the police force in New York? Probably said that, like you fucking coward, you can't hack it, you know, because it's just like the crime was just continuing to rise. Like New York was a pretty scary fucking place for a while, and now you've gone to the middle of nowhere where you think that you're going to be dealing with loiterers and yeah, and yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit of spray paint here and there, and you have a serial murderer, a fishy serial murderer. He also has to shoulder all the weight of of those deaths is the other thing. Like he probably saw more death in New York and didn't like it. And it was an awful place. But when he came to Amityville, even though there's only been one death this summer so far, it's all on him because of it. Mm -hmm. The really sad thing about that, about Ms. Kittner is that like, they are very clearly an older couple and could not, you you get the impression that it's just like, this was late in the game. They didn't think they were going to have a baby ever. They did finally have one. Now he's gone. It's you're real. really editorializing, <laughs> but you're edit- editorializing right to my soul. Yeah. Something else I love about the tininess of Amityville is when they're first closing down the beach, he literally goes to the corner store to buy Bristol board and paint pens and shit and like gives it to his deputy or whatever. He's like, we're closing down the beach. Like They have to make the sign. They have to go grab shit to make the sign. Well, the, that's that's... Because no one has ever closed down the beach, because that's just not something you would ever even consider to do. And despite the fact that all of these business owners and the mayor are staring down the barrel of deaths on their beach, they're like, oh, no, absolutely not. We we don't close the beach. We'll never close the beach. Why would we ever do that? It's horrible. And that desperation is also why, you know, everybody's gung-ho to kill this shark. So, like, all of the fishermen in town are going out with their harpoon guns and they're going to take down... People aren't coming in from out of state with, like, <laughs> dynamite and shit. What, with whatever they can to hunt We're going to the drive shark. them into the rocks and they'll wish their mothers had never met their fathers. That weird guy. I don't remember that quote, but I'm sure you did a great job. His head shows up later on. He's the guy who, who's, like, they find his head oh. in the bottom of his boat. Oh, fuck. Oh, it's like, is that the one whose roast they try to throw out? And, like... <laughs> 
but that results in the tiger shark getting caught. Oh, what? Is... <laughs> My favorite fucking moment of this entire movie, of both of these movies. It's a tiger shark. <laughs> oh, what? It's the best spit take. <laughs> like, it's the absolute greatest fucking moment ever. And it's the one thing that makes me regretful that GIFs don't have sound. I would love oh, to be able to send ha- it to people all the time. How many times in my life I've said, that's one bad hat, Harry, for no reason. Right? <laughs> Man, that sequence is incredible, too, because the, the, the inner cutting, I guess, people walk in front of Sheriff Brody, how we cut between him staring at the beach and him sitting uh, him sitting on his chair and just how we're getting closer and closer. It's, it's brilliant. And nothing happens is the thing. Like, in the, like, we are obviously very much leading up to something happening, but you gotta, you gotta tell me, like, the scariest part of that whole sequence, at least the most suspenseful part of that whole sequence is just him staring into the water. It's his anxiety, and yeah. it's so communicated visually. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I I remember I saw this thing online once where somebody was like, uh, my 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 professor today told me that like the sign of great cinematography is that you could literally freeze the movie anywhere and the shot would be great. And then he just loaded up Jaws, <laughs> like instead of like a Tarkovsky film or something, like an art film, and was just scrubbing through to random spots. And I got to tell you, every single every single spot he stopped on looked amazing. That's fun. That sounds like a, a really fun like time killer website where you can just click a regenerate button and oh, it just for shows just a you random shot of a, a different movie? still of of, a, of Jaws. Like, yeah, only Jaws. Of only Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> Is it honestly? And I, I, you know, like I've. This feels like internet brain because everything's either like the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever. But like, is Jaws like the best modern movie? Yes. If we've got <laughs> if we've got three periods of filmmaking, we've got like classic filmmaking, which we'll just call silent film and black and white. And then silent film and Hitchcock. Sure, we ended Hitchcock, right? Uh, and you know, sure, he's got some man. And let's not get into Hitchcock. <laughs> Guy fucking lived through like every era of filmmaking we've had so far. But if there is if there are three periods of filmmaking and we are currently in period three and period one was mostly silent films and black and white. What's period two? Jaws, baby! Oh, just Jaws? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I guess we're talking like say nineteen sixty five to nineteen ninety nine. Like is yeah, Jaws I agree. I agree with that. the best movie we have? Like, is oh. this the movie we should put on a gold record and throw out in the space? Probably. Oh. You sound so sad about There's that. There's so many movies, though. Well, yeah. And I okay, so maybe maybe I'm just overly impressed by what a blockbuster can accomplish. Because if you are the only, if you're the kind of person who likes comedies, I bet you like Jaws. If you like action movies, I bet you like Jaws. Same goes for horror. Same goes for family movies. Like they they all bridge into different areas that you maybe wouldn't necessarily say I watch that type of movie. But you like it, and it's it's really you know filmmaking for everybody. Mm-hmm. It casts the widest net possible to steal another phrase I used from the beginning of the episode. But like that's the thing about both of these movies is that anybody can watch them, and by the looks of it, most people like them. <laughs> but anybody can watch them, and by the looks of it, everyone but, yeah, did. I don't. I, I guess I lost <laughs> the thread. But I, I it's I look at these movies, especially Jaws, like Aliens. Aliens might exist. I have oh, I thought you no... meant the movie. I was like, oh, no, aliens, sorry. it does exist, John. No, like like extraterrestrial life. The you you, you know based based on math probability, we can't fund we can't say that they don't exist, but we don't have proof of it. Same goes for Jaws. I think we probability wise, like everybody likes this movie. I'm sure some people don't. I've never met one of them. I mean, you did read some of their letterboxes. 
I don't know them personally, and those could be bots for all I know. <laughs> on some sort of anti-Jaws smear campaign. <laughs> Chill. Big anti-Jaws money. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, movies like Die Hard are blockbusters also, but that you gotta like action movies to like that movie, kinda. Very true. Yeah, like, you don't have to, you don't have to like action movies or horror movies or comedies specifically to like Jaws, but, like, Guess what? It's got everything. Yeah, I would say that the only person that doesn't watch Jaws is somebody who legitimately has a fear of sharks or open sea, open water. Sure. There's, pl- there's plenty of good reason to not watch Jaws if that's what you're scared of. But for a lot of those people, I think maybe it became it came because of Jaws. <laughs> oh, that's right. There are, there are actual reports saying that, like, beach visits went down the year after Jaws came out. Like, it actually genuinely affected it. <laughs> like, Jurassic Park, like, zoo visits are at an all-time low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> zoo visits and, like, Jeep purchases. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. So... We're getting into the meat and the bones of Quint here. And like we did in the first segment of this episode, I have prepared a couple of Quint quotes because Quint is the um, the monologuist of the film. Oh, yeah. And everything he says is fucking wonderful. So I've, I've, um, I've pre-selected a Quint quote for you. Sure. And we're just going to have a Quint quote off. Okay. This is like the dramatic arts version of showing each other our scars. <laughs> Okay, so please do not recreate the chalkboard sound too accurately. Okay. <laughs> and everybody looks over like, what is that? I love. I also and love the shark that gone. he's dra- a doodled a little shark. Do you think he did that? I he had to him. I don't know. That doesn't seem like his character, but that's pretty. Or great some that kid was did. actually sitting in that chair and he like tipped it up and knocked <laughs> the kid down and then sat down. Y'all know me. Know how I earn a living. I'll catch this bird for you, but it ain't gonna be easy. Bad fish. Like going down the pond chasing bluegulls and... What the fuck is a bluegull? <laughs> and Tommy cards. This shark, swallow your whole. Little shaking, little tenderizing, and down you go. <laughs> I need something to... I need a little biscuit to just chew on. Just like a quick little... From a biscuit. Um, and we gotta do it quick. I'll bring back your tourists, plus your businesses on a paying basis. But it's not gonna be pleasant. I value my neck a lot more than the 3,000 bucks, chief. Uh, and and uh, I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him, and I'll kill him for ten. But you've got to make up your minds. If you want to stay alive, then ante up. If you want to play it cheap, be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's just too many captains on this island. 10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail. The whole damn thing. Yes! (laughs) That's so good when he says there's too many chiefs on this damn island. Yeah. captains? Captains? He says captains, yeah. He just says chief a lot. (laughs) He ends his sentences with chief. It's pretty great with the chief, though. Oh, so good. Okay, so, um... (laughs) Okay, so this is the next longest quote that I could find that wasn't the... I'm not doing the... Yeah, I'm not doing that because it's just, like, it's fucking long. Okay, so what would this quote be? You know, okay... Go, go go ahead and do yours, but what I think we probably should have done is found the quote where he he's talking to Mrs. Hooper, like, "Hey, how's it going? No, haven't seen anything out here yet. We'll have him back for dinner now." I and wanted like, to do that one. I have See who open. could do it fast enough. Um, sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, <laughs> right into your eyes, and then you know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, <laughs> yep. black eyes like a doll's eyes. <laughs> like a- when he comes at you, it doesn't seem to be living. Until he bites you, and those black eyes roll over, and then, ah, oh, and then you hear that 
terrible high-pitched screaming. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> is that not from the Indianapolis section? It is. It's, okay, just, yeah, a, it's yeah. just a small clip. I did want to do the um, the radio voicemail, I guess the radio message from... It's, no, he, she's literally there with the, the, the microphone in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, from, from the wife, but it's a lot shorter than the other one. I thought that wouldn't be fair. But at a breakneck speed, does that come out of his mouth? Uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, the whole, the whole second... Is it the third act? The whole third act of this movie is practically its own movie. It's kind of crazy, too, because in terms of formula, there isn't one. There aren't a lot of movies where you're just like, oh, we're going to go on a fucking boat with only three characters and head to the ocean. And it's going to be us versus a shark we can barely see. In the middle of, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it still does a really intense job of keeping the the action up. Yeah. And for a lot of times, we're just watching them shoot barrels at a shark we can only see sometimes. But when we see the fucking shark, holy shit. It's pretty great, right? I cannot believe somebody said that the shark effects did not look good because same thing goes for Jurassic Park. And I know it's really very early visual effects. I think the creatures in both of these movies hold up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I th- Honestly, I think it's the same reason why people will say that a scene in a movie isn't scary. And they're just like, I wasn't scared by this. It was boring or whatever. It's because you're not watching the movie. I don't know how else to to describe it. Like, you're not giving yourself over to the movie. You do have, like, there is kind of a handshake agreement that, like, you do. And and I've said this a lot of times because I'm a huge fan of found footage. And I think that the barrier between you and the screen is a lot less in a found footage movie. It's Mm -hmm. the handshake deal has to be done before you put it on. Whereas with, like, with Jaws, you have to commit that this is a real shark. And we're watching this film. Yeah. And we're going to fucking like it. <laughs> and they show you tons of shark. I think there's plenty of payoff for it. Yeah. Whenever you hear people saying that, like, oh, and yeah, like, they couldn't use the puppet very much. I'm like, we see a lot of fucking shark. When he comes yeah. up to the boat and shit, the puppet, when they got it working, looks fucking fantastic. Oh, but only really from a few specific angles. Like, I think if we saw the shark as much as they originally wanted to show the shark... I think, yeah, we probably would have more people saying this shark looked garbage because we we saw it a whole lot and we had plenty of time to scrutinize it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it was a it was a blessing that that shark was so hard to work with. It, we like they really lucked out. And when you do see it, it's so much more intense because the shark surprises you a lot. One of the most iconic shots of the film is when Brody is chumming the water. And the oh shark, my God. Fucking, <laughs> and so silently. Yeah. Oh, the, the, talk about silently. Like when it's eating Quint, that's the that's the oh. one time you really wish it had a roar or something, right? And it, it and there's no score either. And so vindictive. Oh, what a horrible choice to make Quint die by shark. Now he, it's like he always knew it was gonna. He happen. knew he didn't put a life jacket on, John. Oh, you see, the simulation wants me to die by shark. <laughs> And die by shark, I shall. Bleach too many of their jaws, too many nights. Yeah, I bet. Oh man, his house must stink. It just smells like boiled shark bones. Fuck that. Like I don't, I don't want to live there. And his hooch. Yeah, to listen to him talk about that fucking horrible Indianapolis story and watching all of his friends get eaten by sharks, uh, and 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 to know that help isn't coming because it was a secret mission. Oh. That's an interesting button to add on to it, that they're delivering the bomb for Hiroshima. Um, like, the, 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 the way they dole out the information there. But the part th- that he says was the scariest was waiting in the water for his turn to get picked up. Fuck, man, that whole... 
Oh, that whole scene's crazy. But even there's something so like removed about the story in that what we still see a man who like lives without fear mm. because of this crazy, insane, improbable trauma that he survived through. Oh, yeah. If anybody is equal with the shark, it's Quint. You know what I mean? Like, they are equally matched monsters. Oh, yeah. Not that Quint is a monster, but just that he, his eyes are black eyes, like a doll's eyes. Like, he's he's cold and hardened and unfazed. Yeah, they don't look back. They keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Like a fucking shark. Like a fucking shark. And then you have Brody, who's afraid of everything. Who's and like, a, yeah. <laughs> who, like, has to everything. have his hero moment on the end of the sail. As the boat yeah. is sinking. Yeah, like the mast as it's going down. He's like, smile, you son of a bitch. Oh, so good. <laughs> Real great. Like those those are the, man, a blockbuster needs like a good closing sequence, right? Or a good final line. Like uh, like a gotcha suckers from the classic Chubby Rain. Uh, and, 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 and yeah, and of course Jaws. Like I think Jaws is the one that people remember the most. That and like Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, <laughs> you know. Man, there is nothing better than going out. If you have an opportunity to go see Jurassic Park and Jaws at the drive-in this summer, which I guarantee you, your drive-in is playing at least one of those movies. Yeah, and if those are really not your bag, why not see something that's really not really not your bag? Actually, we we saw that Fast and the Furious. I don't even know what the official I title think it's is. Just called F Nine. Okay, so we <laughs> saw F Nine, and having the seen, Fast Saga, <laughs> having seen none of the previous Fast and the Furious films, you haven't seen. Okay, okay. I was very fucking. You haven't confused. seen any of them. Any of them. Any of not them. Not a one. Wow, that's not even the first one. No, that's surprising. Not a one. It was like a clip show of characters. I Nobody was explained. Yeah. I needed Cliff's notes for this movie. Oh, no. I, I love jumping into a fucking franchise film knowing nothing about it. I, cause I, obviously oh, I I'm, had a wonderful time. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Was a, it was a trip. It's like that time <laughs> that we watched the season finale of, of Lost. Like, I don't know, season five or something? Never seen an episode before, and every five minutes, right before a commercial break, cliffhanger, this character's still alive? What? And it's, <laughs> like, there's no, you're there's just like, okay. Seeing it without any stakes? <laughs> yeah. It was really fucking weird. Especially and, this one. There's a lot of flashbacks in this one. And the relationship drama, it took me half of the movie to realize there were flashbacks, and that we were seeing the same characters as younger versions of themselves. Yeah. I just thought it was like a Wario mini Wario situation, and we were doing like Mario Kart. You know how you can you can ha- you can play as Mario or Mini Mario, and the, it, they can be in simultaneous races. Yeah. That's what I thought was happening. That's weird. <laughs> That's real weird. So I mean, like, uh, yeah, driving not a great place to go see a big loud movie like Fast and the Furious, but perfect place. What are you talking? Okay, well, <laughs> it's it's especially the perfect place to go see a movie you've seen a bunch of times. Uh, like Jaws or Jurassic Park, but even more than that, like I think these movies play better outside, and they embody, Jaws. yeah, it, they embody summertime, and they embody just that like slow down vibe. And there's no better place to experience that than a drive-in. Like if you yeah. really love movies, crack open your windows, turn up your radio. Hopefully, there's not too much static fuzz, yeah. and just like dive into these movies. Yeah, it is way more of a hangout than just hanging out at home. It's it's pretty great. So I think uh, rating inevitability here. I'm a four out of four for Jaws. Four out of four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna meditate on your. Is this the best movie of all time? That's yeah. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Like it, it, maybe not your favorite movie of all time. It's, it's probably high up there when you think about it. But when you start putting movies against movies, and you're really trying to figure out what's the best movie mm-hmm. movie ever made, Jaws. If, if it's not Jaws. It's fighting Jaws for top place, right? 
I would say maybe it's Jurassic Park. Okay. Fuck. If I had to choose between these two, I'm digging a shallow grave for mm, Jurassic but I'm not, Park. I ta- <laughs> but I'm talking about objectively, not my personal opinion. Okay. I think objectively, I think Jurassic Park is slightly, slightly better than Jaws. Personally, I love Jaws. Yeah. What do you think is the greatest movie ever made? Is it Jaws? Is it Jurassic Park? Let us know about all your favorite summer backyard drive-in blockbuster favorites uh, over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast, on, on Discord at nightmareonfilmstreet.com slash Discord if you're not already in there. We're still on Facebook in the Horror Movie Fiend Club. We, we're on Instagram. Just look at Nightmare on Film Street. You'll find us. If you're a fan of the podcast, consider supporting us by joining our monthly Fiend Club membership. It is a few dollars a month, and we host a whole bunch of live streams and watch parties and game nights. We've got three scheduled this month, so hit us up at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub for information on how to join those events and to subscribe. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.